when he tries to write down new ideas on his laminated board, he can't <laughs> do it with his pencil. Yeah. Like, that's why he's not learning anything. Like, he's just having to keep it all in his head. I know he's a rocket scientist, but you can't keep it all in your head. Reporters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. It's season eight. Football's back. We're very excited, and we have a lot to get through. So, hey, how are you? It's Connor here. We've got Ronan. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks down in Cork? Uh, it's been pissing rain for about two days straight, uh, making up for all the rain it didn't have during the summer. Um, autumn is definitely here. Uh, it arrived pretty ceremoniously there. Um, yeah, other than that, not much. We had a bit of. I was up as with you guys in Dublin there for a few weeks ago for the Nebraska Northwestern Free Beer Fest, uh, which was good, good crack. Even though it was the longest game ever, I don't know what it is at college. Is, does college football have weird timings that it ended up being like a four and a half hour game for some reason? I, I think I think it's was. because like. They went very, very pass-heavy, and you would expect a little bit more running, a bit more clock going out of it. But I think also the big event of it, there was a lot of them just, like, ad time and, like, giving random trophies to, like, rich white dudes on the pitch for <laughs> presumably funding stuff. Yeah, it was uh, that was good fun. It was just, even I was like, as an, as a, we had non football fans with us and as a football fan even i was like this game is really fucking long yeah um but, and like uh, and like we felt that way <laughs> even though we got two hours of free beer and free food in the place because the card system's breaking like it was long it was it was well matched though like they they all made mistakes i still to this day will never understand that onside oh, kick God. call yeah yeah i think if the game had been bad we probably would have left early maybe or at least we some people might have left early but given that the game was actually pretty close till the end it was yeah. pretty exciting that just about uh, saved it for uh, people who uh, perhaps are less invested in the game. Yeah. Like, it's like it's season eight of the podcast, and of course the NFL didn't exist before uh, eight years ago, um, for obviously, <laughs> you know, we made this uh, we made this institution. And brick we're by it brick. All the way. Brick by brick, exactly. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a nice August in Ireland. Uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty dry and nice, and lots of sunny stuff, and including the time that we had up in Dublin uh, for the game. Uh, mm. But yeah, as Sean mentioned, it seems we were getting a full on autumn winter situation pretty quickly so all the better to enjoy our sunday nights in going forward uh, watching red zone or whatever games of interest that's it yeah no i'm, I'm very excited now i've got the i've got the monday booked off for uh, for stand up watching all the sports ball that's coming so uh, i suppose we've got a lot of news to fly through because we have taken the you know we we, we all need our, our, our off season to rest and recover so uh we'll have to fly through the last if, month's worth of news if if the teams are going to take the preseason seriously we're not going to take the preseason seriously no <laughs> not in the slightest um okay we'll start with crime and punishment what are they doing probably felonies cleveland quarterback deshaun watson's been suspended for 11 games and taking a five million dollar fine uh with the agreement to follow a program from behavioral experts as part of a settlement with the NFL. This came after the ongoing saga resulted in the independent uh, adjudicators giving him a six-game suspension, uh, Judge Sue Robinson. Uh, the NFL then challenged this. This is all to do with the new protocol for it, uh, and they came to this kind of 11-game agreement. The NFL were really pushing for a one-year um, suspension, but this is kind of the trade-off, and I believe they're doing matching funds or something to the $5 million to try and put some money into uh, like kind of 
support funds for, for survivors of sexual assault and things like that. Uh, the big one that came out of the tail end of this, though, is that Watson still doesn't think he did anything wrong whatsoever. He maintains his innocence, even though he kind of put on a, a sad face and kind of said he was showing remorse. Um, he's not, and he still maintains he did nothing wrong, and that, I think, is even more damaging than anything else. Uh, the biggest thing that came out of this suspension is that and like it's it's hard to look at this and not think that somehow this feels almost stage managed. He has an eleven game suspension, which is a weird number, and his return game will be against his former team in Houston. Like it just feels a bit ick, given like we said, we've got players suspended for far longer for far less. Um, this seems a bit mad to me, but then to have him come back against Houston, um. Yeah, just it, it it stinks, particularly like we've talked about this a lot. I'm not I don't love talking about this topic anymore. because I'm just tired of it and it hasn't gotten better, even though they've now doled out the stuff. The one hope is that he comes back and he's terribly, terribly bad at football now. And it costs the Cleveland Browns two hundred and fifty million dollars and uh, he loses his starting job or whatever. But yeah, like this is a mess all round. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, the, the, yeah, it's just a terrible situation in the first place that he's, you know, going to actually play this season. Basically, the Browns and their, their horrible gambit, well, maybe not paying off with missing 11 games, but certainly it's not the worst case scenario that they were looking at. I mean, I think the 11 games possibly splitting the difference, like the independent adjudicator had six games, and I think most people want him out for the season, so they split the difference and, and put him out for. 11 i mean it's the problem i mean we can we can analyze we can analyze the problem ultimately is the nfl's structure right there isn't a structure in place for proper punishments here when you have a thing where you know someone gets suspended 11 games for you know rampant sexual uh misconduct is the best you can probably describe it as versus the people getting much longer suspensions for various uh substance abuse violations all the way down to, to marijuana and, and the such like. I mean, it's just the, the, the problem is at a fundamental level, the NFL in terms of its structural approaches to punishments and what it, what it does and does not want uh, in its game and everything else kind of flows um, from that. I mean, it's it's a disgrace that the, for the NFL, disgrace for the Browns, disgrace for Watson himself. I mean, I just hope that, you know, I, I don't know what I hope. I mean, do I hope the Browns are dead in the playoffs when he comes on and then he's going to, sit on his comfortable contract regardless do i want to see him get his leg shattered in in week 13 on the very first play or something i mean i don't know what i want it's just i just don't know if i can watch the browns this season going from one of the you know the most likable teams in the nfl to one of the worst and this kind of brings it home the reality of it It was all i think maybe a little bit abstract but now it's like we are definitely going to see deshaun watson in a cleveland browns jersey this season um, for you know at least six games and that's that's just a horrible place a horrible universe to be living in yeah and like the nfl doesn't come out looking good overall firstly like the six game suspension which to be fair they did challenge was mostly based on the fact that previous situations that were similar to this were found by the independent adjudicator to robinson to have had punishments in that area of around four to six games so that's kind of a damning indictment of where the nfl is uh, similar to what you know, they used to obviously not really care about um, racial justice and stuff like that, but now they're all into it. So, you know, at least the NFL is trying to move forward. Um, but obviously, the settlement that they made with Watson here, maybe on the idea that maybe the, the, they didn't think they could win the like the the thing, like win the the argument over the season long uh, the season long uh, suspension. 
Honestly, everything I saw suggested that the NFL could basically do whatever it wanted once it decided to reject the independent adjudicator, but they decided to kind of keep this going and to have some kind of agreement and presumably to get Deshaun Watson to stop saying things. Um, they went with this 11-game suspension. Unfortunately, Deshaun Watson, as you mentioned, Connor, doesn't seem to... like. It's ironic, but before the preseason week one, he started making comments that were definitely designed to make him seem like he was apologizing but as soon as the decision came in here and the and the settlement was made he started making comments and basically said oh who are you apologizing about oh i was apologizing for all the people who've been triggered by this situation basically the most generic i'm sorry that you felt that way bullshit <laughs> way I'm, of framing it and i'm sorry that you're annoyed like yeah, yeah. basically look now, this is, this just, is, oh. just to be clear uh, some of the cases are still ongoing, so there might be additional financial you know, issues for Deshaun Watson. But yes, in terms of football and the NFL, he will be playing most likely towards the end of the season. And yeah, personally, I'm on the on the I hope he flames out and is absolutely terrible train. Yeah. Um, but that's that's no way uh, sufficient justice for what uh, the accusations uh, against him. Um, yeah. indicated. Like he's coming back against Houston. Just give them back Brian Cushing, pump him full of PCP and release him, Adam. That's all you need. Um <laughs> Next up, more Jesus. Punter Matt, Matt Ariza has a civil suit filed against him alongside two former San Diego State players uh, relating to group sexual assault during a party in 2021. I believe the person was underage as well. He denies the charges. Um, Buffalo caught him uh, after making him the starter whenever the allegations went public. Although there's a lot of noise around this that some of these allegations or whatever were known in advance. Uh, prior to them being made public and that uh, basically that like they were kind of hoping it was a no, that it wasn't a thing and tried to style it out and couldn't so he's now he's now uh doesn't have a job and until anything comes out about this won't have a job and if there's anything to this we'll never have a job presumably yeah like i, I don't think you're going to see him back unless there's some huge reverse in terms of the legal situation which seems very unlikely based on the evidence that's now available out there publicly in terms of his behavior around it uh, most pertinently, um, basically the woman ringing him up afterwards and then him mentioning that she should get an SDI test and then her trying to get a clarifying comment because I think she was already collaborating with police at that point um, like just to get him to confirm that she had sex with him and then he suddenly went, oh, I don't remember that night at all and that's just been his claims since then. Not mm. a particularly innocent step of uh, conversation no. to go through. So, you know, at the very, you know, at the very least, this is a horrible situation. Now, the criminal proceedings were obviously dropped already, um, and that that's part of the reason why we believe the teams were well aware of this, like prior to the draft itself when they picked him. Um, uh, so this is most people believe this was known by most NFL teams. Um, so Buffalo chose to pick him despite that context and then chose to make him the starter despite that context and only when it became a public issue and presumably they maybe didn't expect this, uh, like they expect her, the, the woman involved um, to come publicly because uh, obviously that's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um, once that blew up, they suddenly went, oh, we caught him. But it does leave a bit of a stain on the Buffalo organization. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the main thing now is, you know, whatever level of justice is available to to the woman involved uh, via the civil suit uh, hopefully she gets and uh, hopefully Arasia, um doesn't play football again but given that he was being called the punt god on twitter um during the preseason before this occurred you know the nf i don't i don't i don't know if the value of a punter is sufficient that that's going to be enough from the no, true but no. uh, i would never i would i don't want to rule anything out with the nfl these days to be honest yeah 
We were actually we were we were saying during the off season that we'd actually had a fairly quiet enough off season for crime and punishment. I've actually got a lot in the last month, so I'm just going to fly through these, and you can kind of jump in if you if you want to tell it. Arizona Ringbacks coach James Sexton was arrested on two domestic battery charges from an incident in May. He's been placed on administrative leave until that progresses. Uh, Arizona wide receiver Hollywood Brown was arrested on a criminal speeding charge, and reports show that he also was ticketed for speeding a few weeks prior to that as well. I believe it was quite a high uh, difference between the speed limit and what speed he was going. Um, New Orleans safety Marcus May was arrested for aggregated assault with a firearm. He was involved in uh, a road rage incident and pulled a gun and pointed it at someone. And um, on the receiving end of crime and punishment, Washington uh, rookie running back Brian Robinson was shot twice during an attempted robbery. Uh, he needed surgery on it. I believe he was shot in the leg and in the buttocks. Uh, but the reports indicate that he's going to be fine and would be expected to be playing this season. Although that's secondary, he seems to be quite happy. He'll be coming back and will be playing this year. Um, so does any of those you want to hop in on or will we move on to uh, to, 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 to more because Controversy Corner is separate from Crime and Punishment this week <laughs> uh, what is there to say about people committing crimes uh, they shouldn't do it yes um... oh, Sean so brave <laughs> like I think I, I think the only notable about these things is that Hollywood Brown Marcus May Brian Robinson obviously Brian Robinson was the victim of a crime not an actual didn't commit a crime himself but um, you know these are all were expected to be substantial players for their teams. Obviously, in Hollywood Brown, uh, Marquis Brown's and Marcus May's case, when a suspension might kick in will depend on how the criminal proceedings go here. If there is a suspension, like speeding may or may not kick the... Yeah. Aggravated assault is probably more likely to leave a suspension. So, you know, these are respectively key contributors. So if they do miss time this year, that will have an effect on those teams. But, uh, yeah, I decided... like. The next thing is technically a punishment, but I decided given the gravity yeah, what's it's in a bit, of punishment. It's a, it's a bit interesting, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll put this in Controversy Corner at the next point. Yeah, Controversy Corner is uh, Miami lose 2023 first round and 2024 fourth round for tampering. This is coming off the back of some of the stuff that came out in the Flores uh, case. Basically, it turns out that they've been caught for tampering with quarterback Tom Brady and head coach Sean Payton. Basically, for anyone who doesn't know tampering, it's whenever you try and recruit or talk with uh, people who are under contract with an organizations outside of the windows where you're allowed to hold contract negotiations and without telling the the, the, the organizations have it. So the owner, Stephen Ross, was trying to recruit Tom Brady twice, once when he was in New England and once when he was in Tampa Bay. Uh, he also tried to recruit Peyton uh, when he was the New Orleans head coach. He's found innocent on a, uh, in the investigation as to whether or not he was trying to get them to intentionally lose, although an awful lot of the red and the stories that came around that still sound like that was what they were doing. It's just that they couldn't really get hard enough evidence to do anything about it. Um, the NFL report found that Ross was inferred the priority was to draft uh, was was to get draft position over winning to Flores. Uh, he didn't follow up with other executives, but like yeah, it 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 sounds like he was without saying it, heavily hinting it, um, but not enough to cause any eruptions but yeah it, it, it was just weird that out of all this what's turned up is oh yeah actually they also just illegally tried to to, to, to get tom brady and uh, and sean payton because uh, like that wasn't on our radars at all for this well, well there was kind of whispers about it right i, I do remember some i do remember them talking about, about wanting him but i'd like yeah i wasn't expecting this to come out of the flores stuff I, yeah, but I, I, I kind of remember vaguely like talk about him and uh, Tom Brady being on a boat together and the implication, I suppose, that he's a <laughs> <laughs> always sunny reference. But like, yeah, like the, the level of which this is and the circumstances which all this emerged is quite 
unusual. Obviously, you know this this uh, this investigation only occurred because Flores um, accused uh, the team of uh, trying to get, make him deliberately lose um, towards the end of the tenure. Obviously, part of the uh, unfair dismissal case uh, that he's and the and the racial discrimination case that he's building against the NFL uh, at the moment, alongside other coaches uh, and former coaches. Um, but yeah, like in that case. Technically, Stephen Ross did not do what he said he did, mostly because his fellow executives within the organization basically, as soon as Flores complained about Ross, suggesting that basically whatever they did, they just, I don't know if they put Ross in a bag or if they just like told him to fuck off. But like basically there was no more interaction between Ross and, and Flores for basically the rest of his uh, tenure with the team um, after that particular thing came up and Flores complained about it. So I suppose by the, the technical like investigation, legal uh, rules, he got away. But as a positive externality of the whole situation, um, they basically did find substantial evidence that Stephen Ross was directly interacting with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, basically saying, you know, come to us while they were under contract with other teams, which is a big no-no uh, within the rules that the NFL operates under itself. And so they end up losing a first-round pick um, and a, and a fourth-round pick. And, you know, the first-round pick might end up being important because next year they were probably hoping to maybe draft a, a quarterback well, in the future if the, two the, of them the, work out. The thing is, if I, remember, like, I think they do have multiple first-round picks. Though, yeah, right? so they do have other picks, but they were hoping to probably have ammo yeah. to take a run at one of the... Like, there's a lot of highly touted quarterbacks at the moment in next round. Look at um, this. Big, the, big the fun... move from New England, Tom yeah. Brady, making sure that, you know, their division rivals lose some hey, well graphics here you gotta remember? credit bill belichick he's yeah. he's the mastermind <laughs> behind all of this his quote-unquote accidental text is what triggered yeah i was i was gonna thing. say yeah that you know, you know I, honestly god i really don't understand how the fuck there's not anything coming down on tom brady and sean payton on this like they weren't kidnapped and put on a boat they were aware that they were doing something illegal like I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think there should be something coming their way as well if they're going to have illegal contract negotiations. If you're gonna if you're gonna lamp the Miami team for having them, also the two lads who knowingly went and did them, Tom Brady twice should also get something. Maybe, but like they're billion, like they're dealing with billionaires, and the owners are the ones who are supposed to, you know, when, you know, they're the ones supposed to hold themselves accountable for this. So the play, you know, they're just looking for a bit of extra money. Maybe there should be a little bit of punishment, but uh, I think generally in sports, it's the it's the negotiators yeah. who got it in the neck if that stuff happens. But I, I think that those kind of rules are based off a kind of old world belief that the players had no when the players had much less power than they do now. I think players, given the amount of money that it's in most professional top level professional sports players have so much power that someone like Brady especially I mean he can if he decided if he woke up and decided he wanted to play for the Dolphins I mean he'd have the power to do that so I definitely think that the rule that you know only punishing the owners in such a situation is probably a bit outdated as regards to what the actual power dynamic is like uh, nowadays yeah I don't know, but yeah, look, it's just, it's an it's an interesting one that came out. I'm sure we might even hear a little bit more uh, as we see more in the in the Flores stuff that's happening. Uh, let's move on to some transactions that have happened. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll go through these. I I might kind of just do a load of them and then we can kind of talk back through them, or should we go by them section by section? What do you think? I think we'll just go through them all and we'll come back to them. Good, yeah, go through yeah, them. Yeah, I'll go through them all. So Denver pick, uh, extend Russell Wilson five years, $245 million with $165 million guaranteed, making them the seventh average pay per year uh, behind Rodgers. Uh, Arizona extend Kyler Murray five years and $230 million and say don't play video games. Uh, offensive tackle DJ Humphreys three years, $52 million, and Jalen Thomas three years, $40 million. San Francisco pay Debo. He gets a three-year $71 million contract. Jimmy G restructures down to $6 million base with a couple of incentives. 
incentives and Trey Lance has been made the starter. Seattle pay DK Metcalf. Well, I suppose they don't have to pay quarterbacks anymore, so they might as well. Three years, 72 million. Deontay Johnson gets a two-year extension in Pittsburgh, uh, two years, 37 million. A bit out of character for Pittsburgh to do that before the final year. Uh, the Chargers extend uh, Derwin James, four years, 76.5 million. And Baltimore's kick god, Justin Tucker, four years, 24 million dollars. Uh, so who do you want to hop in on here? Um, I guess I'll start by highlighting the 49ers. I mean, I, th- I think that's the most interesting business, definitely, in terms of where the team is going and what's going forward. Like, firstly, getting Debo, obviously there, there were some off-season issues with him not being particularly happy, uh, and they obviously just dumped a load of money at his house and told him to shut up. Um, he's such a huge part of that 49ers offense, um, although it'll be interesting to see if they change things up with the new quarterback, that it's an important <clears> thing to do. The other one, I guess, I mean, the quarterback situation is kind of go quite interesting now. Obviously, Trey Lance named a starter, but then Jimmy G is being kept around as like a backup slash safety net slash, you know, tutor or something for the kid. I mean, I don't know. It seems like it seems like the Niners aren't quite ready to commit to Trey Lance full time, 100 percent, that there are still too many question marks. And they are, to be fair, a a challenging team that they have ambitions of going to the Super Bowl of winning it all and maybe they just feel that that they just need one more year of just having that Jimmy G safety net as we saw I mean Jimmy G you can't rely on in the crunch but he can he can get you through some playoff games if he's you know kept if they kept the shackles on him and you don't rely on him too much to do stupid things um mm. it's interesting that for example I mean I wonder I think there are already rumors, but I wonder about the, the Seahawks situation. What, did the 49ers go out of their way to try and prevent Jimmy from going over to Seattle, or were they interested at all? Because it seems a very strange situation that you'd have one team in the NFC West who, who two essentially started caliber quarterbacks, and then their big divisional rivals historically uh, have zero. It's a very interesting one to be in. But definitely, that's of all the ones that have happened, that's the one that definitely, I think, impacts the season going ahead most of all in terms of holding on to Debo and having Jimmy G as a backup. And who knows, you might see him in, in week six or something when, when Trey Lance has a slow start. Yeah, I think with the Jimmy G situation, you know, he's not a complete, you know, uh, victim in the whole situation. He did get that surgery in the middle of the offseason, which basically made him untradeable for a while. So I don't know if he was, that was just happening to be coincidence or he wanted to stay with San Francisco. But yeah, it, it makes things a little bit more intriguing, that quarterback spot. Obviously, Trey Lance's leash might be a little bit shorter than otherwise would have been. In terms of the two big quarterback extensions, obviously, Russell Wilson gets the $245 million over five years. And Kyler Murray gets $230.5 million over five years. You know, Russell Wilson, once the new Denver Overnership Group took in, the uh, Walton Penner Walmart Billionaire Club took over, which now apparently includes Sir Lewis Hamilton among the consortium. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to happen. Like, they obviously made all of the investment in terms of trade picks. You basically have to pay him. And basically, within a few years, this will probably be the standard contract for a top 10 quarterback. And so as long as his play doesn't drop off a cliff, um, this is probably just basically the part of doing business. How long, Kyler, was, like, how, how long was left on his contract? I think he had a couple of years left in his contract. I think this is insane. And I think Denver are cracked to have done it. I, I, think, like, I get that they're going to have to extend him. I think he hasn't played a snap for the team and they've just given him a quarter of a billion dollars. And, like, we discussed this. Like, it's not just a power struggle that got him out of out of, out of Pittsburgh. Or, sorry, out, out of Seattle. He has had some down years. He's coming off hand surgeries that have had him not be fantastic. Like, I, I would not be backing up a truck like this. Because, like, 
bare minimum, if that's adding on to one year, you've locked in to pay this guy an average of 40 a year for the next five years because it's 165 million guaranteed. He hasn't played a snap. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's wise, but I think it was necessary given the context of what they gave up to get him, and yeah. given that we know that Russell Wilson is not necessarily someone who's just willing to take it um, if he feels the team is not giving him sufficient respect. He was always a tough negotiator in Seattle, and I don't expect that he's got any less tough given his leverage in Denver. So, like, look, yes, maybe you could go take another year, whatever like that, but I think everyone's all in on this situation. And, you know, those owners have plenty of money, so there's no, like, liquidity problem if it doesn't work out. But, yes, I think they are where they are, and they're going to have to stick it out. And, yeah, look like if they look bad in a couple of years, that's just the way it works in the NFL sometimes. As for, like, Kyler Murray, obviously you, you kind of inferred the uh, the um, controversial contract clause that was that was uh, dug up by uh, Ian Rappaport, um, which indicated that he was expected to have uh, four hours of exclusive In, study. Of independent study, yeah. Yeah, which is to say, don't watch TV, sorry, don't be watching TV cartoons or playing video games or whatever um, at the same time as doing your study. A clause which obviously, given Kyler Murray's uh, reputation, it's not necessarily the, uh, the biggest uh, tape guy by any stretch, a guy who kind of relies on natural talent to get by, um, only really fed into that reputation. Um, but to be fair, the one thing in his contract, it was 230.5 million, which was 0.5 above the Sean Watson. So at least he's getting something over an asshole. So, um, mm. but yeah, but I think Watson's they removed. fully guaranteed. Yeah, well, obviously it, it's not the same thing yeah. uh, in real terms, but at least something. But um, I, I think the big thing is, is that like that contract thing was obviously got rid of. Um, uh, but I think like look, I think Kyler Murray has the upside and has the talent to be a, you know, truly you know unique quarterback talent. I think you know it's very rare for NFL teams to not give that in, and he was obviously another guy who was looking towards playing hardball in this situation mm. if he didn't get the contract he wanted. And for a team that doesn't really have that much else going on, it would have been difficult to kind of keep the situation yeah. going for much longer. We'll, we'll probably he's, talk about this at a later point, but like Arizona have also, for some reason, don't they have like, they locked their, 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 their GM and their head coach into like four or five year long deals, right? So like they have everyone under contract for a very long time now, which seems yeah. a bit odd to me. Uh, I was just going to ask, Kyler's the guy whose uh, Call of Duty, his stats dropped whenever Call of Duty had Has their... Double uh, XP yeah. weekends, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone, on, someone on Reddit tracked uh, the best that, analysis that... since someone proved that Mahomes is average on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it was of the off-season, that was one of my favourite uh, favorite random Reddit stories of yeah, yeah. tracking Kyler's stats based Man. on Call of Duty. I, was, I, I actually said it to the group there the last day, like, I'm going to miss the terrible off-season shit posting on there of the... Someone just posted up, like, do you think Batman would make a good NFL head coach? <laughs> He's really smart, so if he prepares, I think he could have an undefeated season. And that was their entire argument. Um, we got some trades and signings. I'll fly through these as well. Philly, uh, fucking steal here, uh, traded 2023 fifth and a 2024 sixth for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and a seventh from New Orleans. Uh, Chicago have picked up Nikhil Harry from uh, New England for a seventh round pick. He then immediately sprained his ankle and is expected to miss eight weeks on <laughs> IR. Uh, they then decided, uh, big brain thinking, Alex Leatherwood, who was released from Las Vegas, uh, their first round pick from a year ago. Um, they tried to trade him to 
32 teams apparently according to Ian Rapport, which means they tried to trade him to themselves and they also said no um, that's called gambling baby <laughs> so they've, they've they, Chicago have picked him up and uh, Riley Reef as well Minnesota traded for Jalen Rager from Chicago Carolina picked up Shaviskel Chenault from Jacksonville and Tampa Bay signed Julio Jones Kyle Rudolph and Carl Nassib and just to fire in the cut here as well being an Ireland's kind of specific one there was a Irish kicker called James McCourt who had been popped onto the Jacksonville Jazz roster and we thought he was going to make it unfortunately he was cut uh, at the final uh, final section so yeah there's no no Irish chap there um, we were, I think he was going to be the first one in 35 years or something like that but yeah uh, so what do we think any of these stand out I think Philadelphia got an absolute steal for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson I know that there's a contract to come there but like to get that level that quality of a starter that late for that cheap oh yeah I mean unquestionably I mean it's it's the Eagles, I mean, we can talk about this. We, I have flagged it later to talk about the Eagles as a possible overhype, but they, they've been doing some good business, at least on the surface. Um, the question is if it all comes together. On, on both sides of the ball, they seem to be really building something. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that all comes together. Um, but yeah, no, good good value. Good value, definitely. Yeah, and like there's the, the corresponding trade for Jalen Rager from Minnesota basically means that they swap Jalen Rager for yeah. Dante Gardner Johnson. And like, I was just Googling that to make sure I was right. Yeah, yeah, and like, look, I think I think these like late round picks for basically receiver flyers make sense given the large contracts now being given up to wide receivers now. Like, yeah, you know, Deontay Johnson probably as we we've got an extension is on the lower end really of what you get now in the kind of Kenny Galladay, Christian Kirk range. So. It makes sense to kind of go for these guys who have a couple of years left in a rookie contract who obviously have the upside to be uh, relatively hyped, uh, at least somewhat recently. And then yeah. Tampa Bay going, more old guys, just old guy you over here. Get Julio, get Kyle Rudolph, get Carl Nassib, let's get going. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like I think I think that covers off most of the bits. Like There's a lot of people just trying to add in. Carolina still trying to find more weapons there. But um, yeah, let's look at injuries. Um New York Jets quarterback Zach Wilson has injured his knee. He's uncertain for week one. Uh, it'll be Flacco if he's not there. Mackie Becton, their uh, offensive tackle, is gone for the season. So they've picked up Dwayne Brown. Um, yeah, it's not great for them. But if it is just maybe a week or whatever, they'll, they'll they'll be fine. There's some people saying, oh, sure, Flacco might be might be great. Like, I think they need to see what they've got in Zach Wilson here, right? Um yeah, I think it was one of those ones that looked worse than it was. One of those non-contact injuries. Yeah, it did look pretty nasty. Yeah, but thankfully uh, for Zach Wilson, it, it turned out to be less severe than expected. And uh, but apparently by, by the time you listen to this, it's very likely the Jets will have made a decision. Um, I think, I yeah, I think that's coming out they, later tomorrow. They probably won't play him in week one, but there's a chance they will. But uh, look, regardless, he, he, it looks like he'll play most of the most of the year. And that's what they mostly need to see if they, they want to consider him being their franchise quarterback going forward. And Mekki Becton, obviously a guy who's had struggles over the last few years with injuries, another injury here. And obviously a very encouraging year one, slowly being... Uh, worn down into a guy who might turn out to be somewhat of a bust but like the talent's mm-hmm. all there uh, but another tough uh, season or so to get back to full health uh, for next the 2023 season yeah Tampa Bay's line worries get worse Sean Ryan Jensen the centre is injured his knee and he's probably gone for the whole season the guard Aaron Stinney it's done his ACL and he's out for the season they had the retirement in the off season of their starting lineman uh, and this is as much as Tom Terrific is still great and everything like you need a line and the older you get the less likely it is you can slip away no matter how much plastic surgery you get done uh by the way he definitely had plastic <laughs> surgery 
I mean, yeah, it's it's not the best situation to be in when you've got a quarterback that's as immobile as Tom Brady is. I mean, he's probably the last quarterback in history that doesn't really move that much, and especially when you lose like you know your your, your center and a guard as well. I mean, the the whole Tampa Bay thing is it's kind of on a knife edge. You kind of feel like the, with with the Brady's various off season the question marks going missing for 11 days and everything and now this on top of it I, 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 I just want to believe it's the masked singer it has to be <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with Gronk gone as well I mean it's there are, there are question marks there are genuine question marks over the books I think they they don't look as strong as they did at the start of say last season and this is just going to compound the, the problems um, especially since the Cowboys you know people are going you know they've got a pretty good defense going to come at them at week one so I mean yeah Tom might suddenly decide that uh, you know season 23 or whatever it is is was one step too far um, especially if the rumors are true that Giselle is going to leave him if he doesn't retire soon <laughs> Uh, Cleveland have lost uh, Nick Harris to center, uh, Dawson Deaton, and wide receiver uh, and special teamer Jakeem Grant. Um, yeah, like offensive line woes for a team that's going to have a backup quarterback for the first 10 weeks uh, and wants to be kind of a run first team. That's uh, it's not great. Yeah, like they were hoping to replace JC Treader with uh, Nick Harris, and he obviously went down, and one of the guys that might have been in competition once Nick Harris went down. Uh, Deaton went down, uh, obviously with an ACL injury, so he's gone for the season. So um, they're, you know, they have other options there. They have a guy I think from the Seahawks and stuff. So, but it's not, not it's like Plan C or, or D. They're going yeah. full Ferrari on at the moment, probably in terms of position. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, uh, did you see that Ferrari's bus broke down on the way to Monza today? <laughs> it's just, just phenomenal. Um, Dallas's offensive tackle Tyrion Smith has injured his knee and he's gone. Now they said it could be up to the end of the 2022 season. Although I think I saw reports out today that uh, they actually think it's better than expected and that he could be back for December football uh, and obviously this is being spun by hey it'd be great he can come back for our run into the playoffs um, they've signed Jason Peters to kind of fill in uh, on the line there for the moment um, not great again like we, we talked about this in the previews Dallas are a team that used to be known for how good the offensive line is it's not as good as it used to be and injuries like this don't help it um, yeah they drafted um, the rookie Tyler Smith to be the long term replacement for Tyron Smith, so it'll be interesting to see if they bring in like one of the lesser backup guys or Jason Peters and put them in a guard or one of the other tackle spots and yeah. put uh, the rookie in a, a tackle before schedule because yeah, I think he's expected to be kicked inside for the first season. So, yeah, but overall, not a great sign for a line, yeah. which, as you said, it, its reputation is far exceeds its actual play at this point yeah. in time. New Orleans also have a tackle going down. is indefinite, but also optimism that could be back late November, early December in Trevor Penning. Um yeah, I think he was struggling a bit at camp, but was still expected to be their starting one of their starting tackles. But yeah, uh, yeah that man, now they're now down to, you know, some pretty suspect uh, names uh, in a position they were already pretty weak coming into the off season. Yeah, Tennessee lose their edge rusher Harold Landry ACL. He's gone for the season. That's a big loss to them because uh, they. Yeah, yeah it's... that was a defense that towards the end of last season was starting to show some real quality, and he was one of their main contributors, particularly mm. in terms of sacks. They still got they got a little bit of depth there. Uh, they have the uh, former Pittsburgh uh, pass rusher, so they're not completely bereft. But yeah, major loss there. Just one mm. of the best best pure pass rushers in the league. Uh, definitely going to be missed. Uh, Mister Unlimited is down one of his weapons already. Tim Patrick, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, has torn his ACL and he's gone for the season. They do have a lot of other players there, so uh, we'll see. But uh, one of the, one of the selling points was the multiple 
kind of big receivers. So yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, so I think KJ Hamler's favorite to take over his position, albeit he himself is coming off a major injury from last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but Kirkland Sullivan, Jerry Jeter were the lane two anyway. But Tim Patrick, he, yeah. he's a guy who, who flashed a lot even last season um, in a in a stacked receiver room. So I mean, definitely a loss. Yeah, we'll also mention Houston wide receiver John Melchie, who's uh, diagnosed with leukemia, so he'll be gone for the season. But it's a positive uh, prognosis for this type of cancer. They've got it early, and they'll be hoping that he'd be uh, all right. Uh, just smaller injuries. And Carolina quarterback Sam Darnold has injured his ankle, and he's out for four to six weeks. Doesn't really matter. He wasn't going to be the starter anyway. Baker Mayfield is there. Sam Darnold can just kind of watch from the bench. And the pup lists were announced. Uh, so this now means that it's a minimum of four games that these guys can't be playing Four. So we have Washington defensive end Chase Young, Buffalo cornerback Trey White, Baltimore running back Gus Bus Edwards, and San Francisco cornerback Jason Verrett. I think all these were pretty much expected. I think maybe there were some questions about whether Gus Edwards would be there, but yeah, like I think these are all expected. Yeah, keep an eye on the Trey White situation. Obviously, Buffalo going in a very young defensive backfield, but uh, the rest of these are either on teams that I don't expect to go or they already have depth in that position. That yeah, be too and I think, to be honest, Trey, Trey White is very good and I think it just makes sense given what where the Bills are what they're hoping to be pushing for and we'll be coming to our predictions for the season in a second like there's no point in rushing him back because if he you want him for the tail end of the season you don't need him for your first week or two um, just a couple of retirements running back uh, James White running back Chris Carson linebacker KJ Wright uh, Ryan Kerrigan the edge rusher Jason McCourty defensive back uh, offensive liner JC Trader Richie Incognito mode uh, Danny Amendola Eddie Goldman and Dizel Good uh, all retired um, yeah Good memories, like lots of like obviously Chris Carson and KJ Wright. Good memories as a Seahawks fan with them. Mm. Uh, KJ Wright, one of the few uh, remainders from the Super Bowl era who's still mm. uh, hanging around. Um, obviously, less uh, nice memories of James White for Atlanta fans, probably. But uh, I was going to say, like, does anyone have any positive memories of Richie Incognito? <laughs> like, uh, no. <laughs> like, I, like I, I, I do remember that they had that brief period where he was like he was a captain and the real heart of the line in 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 Vegas. Uh, like, just so confusing. Like, and Jason McCordy and Ryan Carey and both guys who never were superstars, but guys who have a lot of respect around the league as defensive uh, glue guys, basically who who have good statistics. Uh, but just weren't those guys who flashed off the screen for for the ordinary fan, I suppose. And Denzel Good, not not a big name, but he was expected to be a starter on defensive line for Vegas. That line in Vegas definitely something to keep a eye. I mean, their offensive line, not the line in terms of betting. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> how's the line moving uh, in Vegas? You'll need that, to be more specific. That, well, definite. Yeah. Uh, all the hypes around the the new weapons and stuff like that, but the offensive line could be an issue. But it was pretty bad last year, so but uh, something to keep an eye on. Okay, and on that we will move over to our preseason awards before getting on to the picks. So this is on to premature congratulations. Okay, let's start with the positives here. Um, who is going to be our breakout player for this year? So this is kind of a, a player, uh, not, not quite your comeback player of the year, I think, but someone who's just like, who is going to outperform how everyone expects him to be uh, coming in this year. I've gone with Alan Robinson with the LA Rams. I think he's a great player who had a down year last year and was playing with essentially dog shit in, in, in Chicago. He's now in a good offense. He's going to fit in really, really, really well. And I think he's going to have a monster year. Yeah, I think he's a guy who was right around that edge of being a national name, but he's obviously on terrible teams, but was still putting up good statistics. I think mm. fantasy people would have heard of him, but ordinary fans maybe not. Uh, but yeah, I think in that second role, which we've seen 
um, in previous years, Robert Woods or OBJ um, have pretty good statistics over the last few years. That's a pretty good shout for someone who could do really well. Myself, I'm going to go with the, the super hype mode, pick and go Trey Lance. Obviously, the expectations cannot be higher, particularly among the fantasy community. Uh, but this is a guy... Like, like, I don't think he's going to be as consistent as Jimmy G, but he flashed the supreme talent that he has. And I trust that Kyle Shanahan, if anyone can get the talent out and get him looking like a superstar in year one, um, it, it's Shanahan. But uh, maybe some bumpy roads, bumpy stuff at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the season, he'll, he'll be considered a superstar. At least mm. that's what I'm predicting. Um, I did consider Alan Robinson myself. I think that's a very good pick, Connor, and I'm quite jealous of it. But Because um, I do You're think he will have... <laughs> I, I I felt it would be unfair to I mean I did for MVP did pick the same player as someone else but I felt for breakout <laughs> player I kind of had to do I had to find someone else who I thought would be good and I thought Jerry Judy who's obviously the Broncos have finally got a a, a proper you know star caliber quarterback Judy is true luck would like be. a word <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's always been talked about in terms of his potential and this might be the season where you know it, it begins to to really explode for him. Um, I think he'll be a big part of what's... Obviously, Gordon Sutton is there as well, but I think he'll be a big part of what makes that Broncos uh, offense tick behind Russell Wilson. Yeah, very good. Um, we're going on to our best rookie. So, Sean, we'll go back in reverse order. We'll start with you here. So, this is, yeah, like offense or defense. It's just something we think is going gonna, is gonna to make a big impact. Uh, not necessarily win the award, because, like, someone could be the best rookie and, like, not be flashy enough to get it. It's just who you think is... Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think I've gone for a relatively conservative pick here. The guy who should have gone number one, but said with number two, Aiden Hutchison, the defensive end, Detroit Lions. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him up to the draft of, of him being a ready-made superstar who can really be the, the anchor upon which the, the Lions build um, their defense. So it'll be interesting to see him. He has that kind of explosiveness uh, um, that is becoming a, a big part of the modern defensive game. Plus, he's, you know capable of singing uh, Billy Jean quite well uh, as as we saw on Hard Knocks <laughs> yeah. so he's uh, he's got he's he got a place in my heart already uh, it'd be interesting to see if he how he how he does uh, in the NFL itself yeah he, look, I, he, I, he looked good I, in the preseason he's looked good in Hard Knocks I think it's a it's a good and like he's visible he's got he's got a little bit of like visibility because of the Hard Knocks stuff as well so I think people will be keeping an eye on him uh, good shade Ronan yeah I went for the I suppose the chalk pick the number one overall pick Trayvon Walker uh, I probably wouldn't have picked this before the preseason, but he did have some flashes of how they were going to use him in a lot of different roles off mm-hmm. the edge at defensive end in a 3-4 scheme. And I, he looked really explosive and like a player with the physical traits of why they picked him overall overall. So it's a chalk pick, but uh, I'm happy enough to go with Trayvon Walker as the top rookie this year. Perfect. Uh, and I'm going to go with, uh, you go, Richard, you're like this one. Uh, the New York Jets running back, Brees Hall. A uh, lot of hype coming out about him from the preseason. He's looked pretty good, but they've been keeping him quiet. He's one of the few ones who looks like he might be able to take on a huge, like a, a, a sizable workload. And uh, yeah, no, I just think kind of exciting, dynamic-looking playmaker in an offense. It, like it's New York, you're always going to have eyes on you if they start to do it anyway decently. Uh, it'll be good. And I, I, I think we said in the previews, I'm a bit more boyish on the or bullish on the on the uh the the jets and some of you guys are so uh that's why i'm, I'm backing him for it um next up we have our mvps uh we've uh, as you said you alluded to there sean uh two of you have the same one so i'll start with my one uh it's revenge revenge time because everyone says it's all going to fall apart with uh tyreek hill going and apparently last year was a down year even though his down year was as, as good as most players best years were pat mahomes to come back uh attack the league hard and win the mvp 
Um, all the talent in the world. It'll be a new offense, so we'll see. But I imagine spreading it around should should make it interesting. And they, there's enough narrative that goes into the MVP thing that I think uh, overcoming quote unquote the, uh, the the loss of Hill will, uh, if it goes well, will help that. Yeah, I've gone for the kind of safe pick, Josh Allen. Obviously, everyone's really hyped on him and on the Bills' offense to kind of build on what they did towards the end of last year. I think his biggest risk is like the beginning of last year where they didn't want to put him in the run game at all and they kind of he's not quite as explosive but he doesn't have that run pass like threat um but i think everything's building towards them being a team that everyone wants to do well so i think josh allen's a safe pick uh, for potential mvp yeah i've gone for josh allen too for much the same reason this is the this is the bill season to shine this is his moment he's been building up getting progressively better every year and he was pretty damn good last year especially in that playoff loss against the Chiefs where he almost single-handedly won the game. Uh, I think this is this is a season to shine. I did give a consideration to Justin Herbert. I think he's going to have a pretty big year as well and he's going to do a lot of flashy stuff. Um, it might end up being that Herbert wins the MVP because he does more flashy stuff in the regular season, whereas Allen ends up uh, bringing home the, the biggest, the most important trophy of them all at the end of the season. But but either way, I mean, I, I, I think Allen is it's going to be a very big year for the Bills and he's going to be a, obviously a massive part of it. Yeah. Okay. Next up, uh, our Justin Tucker Memorial Award for the best special teamer who's not called Justin Tucker. Uh, <laughs> so, who have you gone for, Sean? I, I, this was a hard one for me because uh, the obvious answer is Justin Tucker, and I was considering just putting in someone like Tustin Jucker uh, to try and get away with it. But uh, it's not, a, it's not a great time for for return guys in the NFL. I mean, the the, the rules are progressively making it harder and harder to have Devin Hester type. Players, I've kind of gone for the one guy that I know because he was a Pat. He was the Pats returner for a long time, and he was pretty damn good at it. He won game against the Chargers, I think, where he got two returns and in, in two returning touchdowns in one game or whatever. Uh, but now he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, so it's it's Gunnar Osleski. Um, um, he'll be a good addition to the Steelers, um, and they're they're pretty decent all around in terms of coaching. So they'll probably have a good special teams. Um, so he'll be a good part of that. Yeah, fair play to for fighting that nominative determinism, you know? It's like, I am not a gunner, <laughs> I'm a returner. He should have been a log snapper, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm not a gunner, I, I return. Anyway, uh, I'm going with the like the other special team we're on, on the uh, Baltimore Ravens, the new punter, Jordan Stout, um, the less problematic rookie uh, punter, basically. Um, but he's looked really good in preseason, and it would not surprise me to see Baltimore just have the best special teams in the league, given... Uh, Harbaugh's background as a special teams coach back in the day. Yeah, I've gone for uh, Dallas wide receiver, but really kick returner, uh, Kevonte Turpin. I just like. I just like the dude. I've watched from the bits I've seen of him. Like he, he was like he was in the USFL and like scoring punt returns, and now you get to have a shot with the Cowboys and returned two in a single game. One was like a ninety-eight yarder for on a kickoff, and then the other one was an eighty-six yard punt in the same game. So like, yeah, I'm just on, on the basis of that and that alone. I'm like, yeah, this this kid's got some got some wheels. Like. Uh, let, let, let him go so I think uh, that could be fun and he made the team that was the thing I put him in like two weeks ago and I was like I really hope he doesn't get cut I really hope he it's, doesn't get cut it's turpentine uh, turpentine excellent um, okay time to go for dumpster diving time for some negative awards okay our Tom Cable most penalty yards prize um, I've gone for New Orleans safety I think he's officially listed as Daniel Sorensen DB in general, yeah. Daniel Sorensen. Um, 
like I know the answer is that it's probably alignment, but realistically, Daniel Sorensen is a bit of a flag machine. He'll occasionally have big plays for you, but he's also older now and slower now and probably more likely to get flags now. So, um, yeah, Dirty Dan, uh, you had some big plays for us, but like you were, I, I wanted you off my team for the last three years, so thank God someone else has to deal with it. When I came back to, to do my notes for today, I usually fill these in pretty early because I'm usually in charge of stuff. Uh, I had Las Vegas offensive lineman Alex Zetterwood. <laughs> and then I had to change it just today. Oh, yes, Chicago offensive lineman Alex <laughs> Zetterwood. It's the same pick. He's going to be terrible. He's going to get loads of flags. He was already well up there in the uh, offensive lineman flags last season. Let's go, for the, let's go for the prize this time, Alex. Let's see mm. if you can really make a name for yourself. Um, I do have some methodological qualms with this prize because, I mean, if we're, if we're doing the most amount of penalties, it probably will be alignment. But in terms of penalty yards, given mm. the size of pass interference penalties, I think it is usually someone in the secondary. Mm. Um, that's why I've picked uh, Trayvon Diggs, the, the Dallas cornerback. He is the ultimate boom and bust guy. And last season he was. He, I think he was top of the league in interceptions, but he was also top five in terms of number of penalties, <laughs> um, which is the guy, he, guy he'll either get, catch the ball or he'll give away a, a PI foul. Um, and I expect much the same now that he believes his own hype even more this season. I think he'll try to be even more spectacular. I think he's the perfect kind of Cowboys player. Lots of spectacular plays. It looks very good and Troy Aikman can ooh at it. But ultimately, he's not very good at winning you the game uh, at the end of the day. Um, so I think he's the perfect fit for this prize. Yeah. Okay, our next one is the Jamarcus Hype Train Crash Award. So this is essentially... A team, a player, a story, whatever you think it is, that uh, is kind of getting a bit hyped up and uh, you think it's going to come back down to earth. Maybe a little bit of how you think it's actually going to end up for them. Um, so, yeah, I'm sticking with the NFC East for this one. I've decided to pick the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, your NFC I, East I... fascination is back again. Excellent. <laughs> I do feel I'm probably going to regret this. I mean, there's not a lot of hype. I was thinking of the preseason hype, not a hype I disagree with. The Eagles, they're the ones that have the biggest question mark for me. Yes, they've they've added some pieces on both sides of the ball in, in terms um, of uh, Hassan Reddick, AJ Brown, et cetera, et cetera, that they've built the most fearsome offensive line in the NFL, uh, apparently. Um, but ultimately, they are going to have to rely on Jalen Hurts to actually be at some level of a superstar. Uh, and I haven't really seen that from him yet. They're also, I mean, they're the Philadelphia Eagles. They very rarely actually have good seasons. They've had basically one good season in the last 20 years or so. So, I mean, judging on, you know, expectation, um, it's going to be lower than that. Also, they're the NFC East and therefore are always going to be a dumpster fire. Even the good teams in the NFC East, like the Dallas Cowboys, are ultimately a dumpster fire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the division, but I think to believe that that will then translate them into, say, playoff wins and, and a deep run, I, I've got to see it before I believe it. I think it's as likely, if not more likely, that they'll end up having a mediocre 8-9, and 7-10 and season as they'll, as they'll win 12 games and, and get to the, the NFC Championship game or something like that. Yeah, Ronan? Yeah, I went with Saquon Barkley, but this could really just be a stand-in for any running back coming off an injury and everyone's like, no, he'll be good this year, I swear. Mm -hmm. um, so CMC or whatever, probably the same camp. Like, yeah, I'm not buying any hype regarding the New York Giants. And yes, Saquon Barkley will probably be okay in fantasy if he stays healthy just because of volume. But in terms of actual production on the field, I think he might be a little bit better than last year, but I don't think 
the hype that he's going to be back to Saquon, like who destroyed the league in his first years. Don't really see that happening. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, my one is uh, the Raiders uh, being hyped up hugely. They made huge moves in the offseason, acquiring Javale Adams, uh, talking about how it's great that him and Carr are best mates and everything. Um, yeah, like we kind of alluded to a little bit of it there. Their line is not very good. They've got question marks all over their defense, apart from like they've got one good lineman. Uh, like they've got question marks in their backfield. There's a lot of just like really, really like they're sitting in an incredibly tough division. I yeah, just, I just don't, I just don't see this thing of like. There's, there's people who are. There was genuine people in NFL.com not named David Carr who were listing Derek Carr as potential MVP candidates, and I just don't see it at all, at all, at all. Um, so I think someone, they're just, someone's crashing in the AFC West. It's basically a statistical inevitability. Yeah, uh, and it's just like I, I just don't, I just don't see it working. I see them having lots and lots of flashy pieces, and it just not working out. Because like this is also remember a new head coach who last time he was a head coach flamed out of the AFC West and was like a warning signal to not go near the Belichick coaching tree, and then he went for another one and decided to. Uh, I just yeah, I just don't see it. I think there's too much going on. Uh, not sure it'll work. Next up, the Sanchez. This is the most embarrassing moment uh, in the in the year. So you kind of think forward and think either of what we what what we think is going to be the most embarrassing moment that'll happen this year so sean will we start with you there uh you started with me last time it's back around the other way okay fair enough. i'll start with myself then so my one is uh when we get to the buccaneers game and antonio brown runs back onto the field pulling on his pads pretending that he hadn't gone anywhere and it's still this time last year yeah but he's got like he's got like one of those gopro cameras but pointing at himself because he's like finally i can watch myself yeah. Play football at the same time. By the way, yeah, yeah. For, 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 for anyone who hasn't seen it, go and look up his quote. He said, like, his greatest regret isn't anything he's done in the NFL. It's that he'll never get to experience watching himself play. Uh, which just tells me he'd never watch tape. <laughs> but it's live. It's true. Yeah. Um, Ronan, you've, you've gone for. I've gone. Okay, this is just my Seattle uh, cry baby moment but yeah Gino Smith drew lock back when you be battle it's gonna be pretty embarrassing and even Jacob Eason might get in a bit of time there but yeah not expecting much out of this for the Seattle fans uh, have you yeah. have you considered completing the set and picking up um swag Kelly maybe or something that would actually make me more excited <laughs> <laughs> oh that is grim uh Sean uh, once again, this is the the downside of coming to the, the the spreadsheet late and filling in after other people. The the correct answer is Ronan's pick. The Geno Smith Drew Lock battle is already the most embarrassing thing of the NFL season. But I've gone to try and be different. I've gone for Baker Mayfield losing his starting job to Sam Darnold. Um, mm. Obviously, the there's it's just it is it is the Geno Smith Drew Lock battle, but on a slightly higher plane um, where they where they have aspirations of mediocrity. Um, I could see Baker getting off to a fast start, perhaps maybe having a really good game against the Browns in week one, but get to week eight or nine and things aren't going so great and he's maybe a little bit injured and, you know, he's starting to throw bad things, he's making bad decisions and he's getting a bit frustrated. I can definitely see him being sat for a while and for the for the Stam Darnold star uh, to, to resume its place in the firmament and him to start his, his grand trajectory back to, to being the star he always uh, thought he was. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Matt Rule panicking towards the end of the season would be very much in 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 line what he's done in previous seasons. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sean, the dumpster fire of the year. So this is you know basically who you think is going to be a dumpster fire team wise. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the Chicago Bears. I mean, they're not own. They're probably the worst team in the NFL. I've I've actually thought about this in terms of personally. You can make a case for the Texans, but I do think the Bears are now officially the worst, the thirty second best team in the NFL. But also, they are already. A dumpster fire in terms of the acquisition of Alex Leatherwood, a guy who literally no one else in the league wants to play for him because of how bad he is. Um, the 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 acquisition of Nikhil Harry, who was a pretty crappy wide receiver all round, but then to get him injured on top of that, so they don't even have him for his crappiness. I mean, I just Justin Fields, I feel so sorry for you, man. You deserve an awful lot better than this. I think don't think we'll ever see how good that that guy is, is at quarterback because he's going to be shackled to this dumpster fire of an organization um, for a good part of his career. Yeah. Ronan? I'm, I'm going to go with the Browns because welcome back to hell. This time you deserve it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and look, look, it's going to be a pretty hostile situation for the Browns whenever they go on the road, um, especially once Deshaun Watson comes back. But like, even objectively, Jacoby Brissett is not a good quarterback. He's particularly bad under pressure and that offensive line is not where it was a few years ago in terms of being a you know a high strength of the team they've got like a Mari cooper wide receiver and basically nothing else they're hoping like guy like david bell steps up you know the running back tandem is obviously good but kareem hunt was making noises of wanting to get traded so there might be issues there and he's obviously not noted for his great um his, his personal choices anyway kareem hunt um and on the defense yes there's like talented guys across the defense but it's not a defense that necessarily lived up to its talent last year like miles garrett will get lots of sacks jok will be fun and denzel ward will be good but all the guys that aren't those guys could easily get beaten because it's not a very deep defense so i'm 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 staking it out that cleveland will not only just be bad morally but will actually be bad on the field for the vast majority and if deshaun watson comes back and shits the bed completely um all the better let's be honest yeah uh, I initially had the Bears down here, but I think just uh, to, to spread the spread the the love around rather than just dump on the Bears, uh, I'll give you a contender for the worst team uh, that would that would go toe to toe with the Bears, and that's Washington. They have traded for probably the worst quarterback in in the league, which means mm. they're nullifying the value of having scary Terry McLaurin and the rookie um, uh, Dotson. John Dotson. Yeah, like. Their line is not good because they ran the best right tackle in out of the out of the place. Um, the the running back room, like Antonio Gibson is fine, I suppose. JD McKissick, but like that defense, it has all the all, all the talent in the world on it. It's now missing one who's who's on uh, on IR and wasn't able to get it together last year. Has this confusing mismatch of like progressive left head coach, hardcore right winger defender of the insurrectionists as their defensive coordinator. Like it's just a hot mess. And all of their PR is people saying, Hey, it's time to take command. Like, yeah, just get in the bin, like get in the fucking bin. Sorry, Connor. It's, it's time to, uh, Take command. It's time to uh, take command. <laughs> My God, I would love if Russell Wilson ended up there because that would have just been so great to hear him have to deliver that line. Um, okay, prizes arriving. These are the big one. Uh, names of the doors, boys. Wildcard, the team that we think is going to do well, maybe sneak into the uh, postseason even. Just the big surprise that uh, you wouldn't have had going in here. I've gone with the Saints, um, which has unfortunately now become a bit more of a popular opinion. Um, but yeah, just like absolute 
madness uh, 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 quarterback, but we'll see what happens there. They have a very good defense. There's like don't know that's a head coach, but there's continuity. I could see them sneaking their way in at the back end and uh, p- taking one of the wild card spots and possibly even winning a game. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say maybe not going to like Tampa Bay, but maybe not quite that much because they might be involved in my later questions. Yeah, I'm going for Philly. Uh, I know Sean saying that there's... Fight Sean! You know, fight Sean! Yeah. <laughs> but like, like when I say the wild card, I'm kind of taking that team that to me is like they have up and down, they've, they're exciting, and they're interesting at the playoffs, but you don't expect them to go all the way. Um, except if they're going, like, except with the NFC East, where when they're a wild card, they do actually go all the way. Um, but look, I like them. A lot. I like them more than Dallas, but I could still see Dallas winning the division. But I think Philly, just given the strength of their both lines, I think Jalen Hurts is someone who doesn't lose you games as long as he still has his mobility. And obviously, the addition of AJ Brown is a huge fillip for that offense. Um, questions of running back, but they always seem to have that. And the defense could genuinely be a force there. So, look, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be like world beaters. Like some people are really hyped on them, but I like them as kind of a wild card, fun team that's exciting to watch, interesting to to, to follow each week. And I expect to see in the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, um, but that kind of team when they make the when they make the the uh, playoffs in that situation, maybe that's where they're at the strongest. But they uh, just want yeah. to take it to the dance, uh, Sean. <laughs> Yeah, I've gone with the Jaguars, which is always a, a, a risky I like uh, this pick. decision here. I mean, I have talked about this in the preview. I think the Jags are a little bit undervalued because of the Urban Meyer debacle last season and, and the various mess that that was. This is a team with a new head coach, the team with uh, some interesting additions, Christian Kirk, for example. It's a team with... Uh, a supposedly superstar quarterback who didn't have the best first season but has now learned a little bit about the NFL and is coming back better than ever. This team could surprise you. They're in a really weak division uh, and they're a team that they're going to take some scalps and, and I think they have a good chance of making the playoffs. They could even win their division if if things go the, their way in certain ways. I mean, I think they're they're definitely a team that's undervalued and I think when you think about wildcard, that's kind of what it is. A team that is going to surprise you because people don't think they're as good as they are and for me, that's the Jaguars all over this season. Yeah. Okay. AFC champion. I don't think we've swapped from our playoff previews or from 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 our from our offseason preview. Sean, I've gone for the Buffalo Bills. This is their season. It's got to be their season. Yep. And they got to get it done. Roland, same yeah, as. They got they got to make it to the Super Bowl so they can lose the Super Bowl probably. But mm. <laughs> that's how that's how they do things in Buffalo. No, it's okay. They've got a new one to have. They now have to lose four straight AFC championship games, and oh, they is, will be they will be losing the Chiefs. To the Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've got the Chiefs uh, being the AFC champion. NFC champion. Uh, I have decided, although I have <laughs> some of the line developments now, I'm starting to feel less sure about this one. Uh, I'm sticking with what I had beforehand. Tampa Bay. Tom gets into the dance one last time. Um, Ronan? I'm going with Green Bay. You know, uh, there's nothing worse than a Rodgers scorned. Um, his favorite receiver gone. Now he's gonna. I'm gonna prove that I am the three-time MVP. Obviously, not predicting that, but uh, with his ramshackle bunch of wide receivers. But look, Green Bay. They have a really good defense. They have Aaron Rodgers. They're definitely with a shot. He was. He was reportedly in the locker room today wearing uh, a T-shirt with Alan Lazard's name in it and saying, "Make Green Bay great again." <laughs> I didn't uh, say this he was wh- nice. <laughs> This is perhaps why I have decided. So originally in my <laughs> off-season picks, I picked Green Bay. 
And now I've decided, I've thought about it a lot, and I'm like, I really, you just can't just rely on Aaron Rodgers to, like, win every game on his own. Especially when his wide receiver one is going to be Alan Lazard. Uh, I have a bit of problems with that compared to what else you have in the NFC. The more I've thought about it and the more I've invested my, my fantasy season in this team, <laughs> I've decided the LA Rams are, are good to go. They're the champion, the Super Bowl champs back for another run. They've, they've kept most of the good pieces. They've added uh, Alan Robinson, who's a good addition. Mm. Yes, there are some issues over Matt Stafford and his injuries and how likely he is to play the season at, at 100%. And that could be a problem. Um, but I've decided I'm gonna gonna give them a nod over the Packers because I think there's there's just more of a solid, more reliable. There's just I think a little bit too many variables over the Packers at the moment in terms of how that offense actually is going to work uh, okay. on the field. So you such have a them... brave, such a brave pick, Sean. <laughs> Super <Simple> winner. <laughs> um, okay, so you've got Buffalo versus Rams, Sean. Who wins? I'm gonna go for the Bills. Uh, I think they will actually win the Super Bowl, but. Uh, I will not be surprised if they don't, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, hopefully they Fair will. enough. Ronan, you've got uh, the Bills versus the Packers. Yeah, like I'm going Bills just because I think they, they deserve it. Go on, give them mm. the win. And I have Chiefs versus Tampa Bay and Tom Brady bowing out of the league, losing uh, a Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes, and we get a very Hollywood-style passing oh, of yeah. the torch. It's like a WrestleMania moment where yeah. at the end he's like, standing <laughs> over there. That's pretty much it, yeah. like I think... <laughs> Uh, also, if that happens, there will be calls for fixing. Like, cause realistically, <laughs> it is a little bit too much. Um, so that is our that is our like our predictions for the upcoming year, which is uh, obviously a bit more broadcasting. Uh, let's go into the immediacy and take a look at the games for week one. It's finally here. Okay, so first up, Thursday night football, uh, Buffalo versus the LA Rams. A preview of Sean's Super Bowl uh, is also the first game on the on the list. I, I hadn't noticed that uh, until just now. Uh, this is Ronan's pick of the week. Uh, just for setup, I have gone for the Rams, and both uh, Fitz and Sean have gone for Buffalo. So Ronan, tell us about this one. Well, what is there to say? These are two of the best teams in the NFL, probably their respective favorites in each division, albeit it's a harder division to get out of in the uh, AFC. Um, and they're both two teams that I don't think anyone would not want to see week one, first game, let's get these two teams going. Is this going to be a full-on like Rams-KC, like 50-50 affair? Probably not, but is this like a... 30 point each type of fair very quite likely like so obviously in the rams they pretty much bring back the same team except upgrade obj to alan robinson can't really complain about that i think everyone in this podcast is pretty hyped about alan robinson getting a chance to play with a good quarterback and as a wide receiver too that seems like a perfect position for him to basically get back to his thousand plus seasons he was having um before he decided he really didn't want to play in chicago and who can blame him let's be honest and obviously there are questions with the running back position for the rams and the offensive line is always like a bit of a question mark though they seem to be pretty capable of training them up but uh would you have stafford you have that offensive thing and you have cup there it's hard not to see that the, the formula won't work um, mostly this season. And against the Buffalo defensive backfield that is obviously still missing Trey White and has a rookie in there, Kyrie Lamb, I don't really see 
you know, I, I see there being holes in the Buffalo defense to exploit, at least at this point in the season. Um, so that obviously means on the Buffalo side, you've got Josh Allen. Um, and as I said, the big question for Josh Allen is, and the, and the Buffalo team in general, is are they going to be as aggressive with Josh Allen as they were in the back half of last season when he was running the ball a lot and he just suddenly exploded in that Tampa Bay game around week 10? Or are they going to play it more safe like they did towards the beginning of last season and rely that they have the talent and they have the long term of the season and they don't want to risk, risk Josh Allen too much and just play a bit more conservatively. Not that conservatively, but uh, more conservatively in terms of Josh Allen running the ball. He's obviously got two, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, question marks, but exciting question marks. Um, with Gabe Davis and Isaac McKenzie becoming the two receivers behind Stefan Diggs. A lot of hype about both of those guys uh, based on what Gabe Davis did in the, uh, in the postseason last year. Obviously with his uh, four-touchdown display against Kansas City. And uh, Isaac McKenzie's getting a lot of hype in that slot role, taking over from Cole Beasley, just a faster, quicker guy. And that's a role that's obviously uh, had a lot of success in that team. And at running back, like I think Devin Singletary's back. You know, he's a guy, he's fine. Uh, but James Cook, maybe as the receiving back, might add that extra little element from the backfield mm. um, that they need. The offensive line, you know, it's it's basically the same as before. They made one replacement, but it should be good enough. Uh, and, yeah, so then they were going up against the Rams defense, which is obviously superstars and just guys. And obviously they added one additional superstar with the very unfortunate loss uh, for Seattle of Bobby Wagner to the Rams. Another just name to go with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And those guys uh, have shown, have been shown to be able to play under Raheem Morris and be live up to their reputation and to bring the other guys around them to the level required to be forces there. There are questions over their pass rush outside of Aaron Donald. There are obviously questions outside of the defensive backfield outside of Jalen Ramsey. They brought back Troy Hill, I think, believe, for, for who was kind of a... Uh, away from the team for a while so there are there should be question marks but what we've seen over the last few years is that they usually figure it out but in week one you have two defenses which I think have more questions um, than they maybe had previously they have holes on them and I think these two superstar offenses which such great quarterbacks who have such a high understanding of the game have the skill set to exploit the holes that exist there so I'm expecting a big showy fun week one uh, cross conference uh, fight in week one to open the season and yeah just really exciting game so hopefully you can live up to the reputation yeah no sounds very good um next up new orleans at atlanta we've gone for new orleans across the board here this is obviously a battle of the 2015 first rounders Jameis versus mariota uh we've it's, it's odd was we've all gone for, for for new orleans uh the thing is Marcus Mariota has beaten Jameis Winston every single time he's played him, uh, most famously in that Rose Bowl where he beat him 59-20, to 20, I believe it was. Um, this would be an interesting one. Look, obviously New Orleans rolling out new schemes, new head coach, but like similar defensive schemes and everything. Atlanta, like... Is this a redemption story for Marcus Mariota? Is that one game he played for the for the uh, Raiders and looked pretty decent in? Is that what it's going to look like? Or is it going to look like pretty much the rest of his career, which was massively underwhelming? Atlanta are kind of one of those what's going to happen here with this team kind of situations where they have a couple of pieces of young talent, but there's no doesn't feel like there's any wraparound sense of, 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 of a whole team that could be competitive. But, you know, this is week one. These are people finding their feet. Uh, like, it might be that there's enough talent in the tight end and, 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 and the rookie Jake London and stuff for Atlanta to be able to punch a couple of holes in a New Orleans defense that's not used to not having Sean Payton around. Like, um, 
It's hard. It, it, like you could you could see it happening, but yeah, I I would I would expect this not to be the most exciting of games, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I would I would imagine that like this will be two offensive finding their feet with quarterbacks that neither of them are particularly overjoyed to be their starters and defenses that are for like for New Orleans trying to work around the fact that they've added talent but it's all quite old uh, and with Atlanta that they don't seem to have a con- like a, a consistent concept of it um so yeah New Orleans across the board from us but I wouldn't expect fireworks uh Philly at Detroit me and Fitz have gone for Philly Sean has gone for Detroit buying into that hard knocks hype uh this oh, I suppose also you do hate Philadelphia and all the people that hail from them and you want them to email you directly about uh <laughs> about that if possible uh drop drop your drop your Twitter yes, account I, I there to into give the them end my address this. so they can give them my address so they can riot at my house yeah that's it but um yeah look this is obviously hurts coming in and seeing what this Philadelphia team looks like and Detroit like Will they have a step up? They were like when you look back at their results last year, they were surprisingly like they they scored more points than you'd think when you go back and look at it. Uh, and the question is, so will this, that defense look th- all right and stuff? Yeah, this is my thing with the Lions, right? That they are last season they were really you can tell that they really want to fight. There's a there's a good team spirit growing there. Definitely watching them, even just watching them on red zone or whatever. They were the teams that were they were the team that were in those games and always went down to the wire or the the team that was two touchdowns down but fought back to make it a difficult fourth quarter for the other team they didn't win a lot of games last season but they were definitely fighting to win as many as they could and now i think they're a little bit better they've added obviously some new pieces aiden hutchinson for example it's it's an extra it's a new another season dan campbell has learned what he's what jared goff has probably not learned what his limitations are um but that's 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 neither here nor there versus i think a philadelphia eagles team which is Okay, they're going to be good. They're going to they're going to be better than they were last season. But this is going to be week one. We're not going to be sure if all these pieces fit together and if everything work clicks automatically. I think it's a it's a tough game for a new for a team that is largely kind of trying to coalesce to come in on the road against a team that is you know one of those kind of hard fought working class you know will will make you work for your win kind of team. And I can definitely see the Lions. I can see being an exciting kind of red zone game where where when all the other games have kind of been blowouts or whatever near the end of the fourth quarter it's it's the Lions and the Eagles going back and forth but I can definitely see the Lions stepping up and getting what needs to be done here. Billy swinging their bag of batteries around Detroit defending themselves with their lunch pail you know it'll be an epic working class hard fought battle but like yeah both these teams you know building through the line first you know questions the quarterback running the ball hard but yeah I think both these teams they got better as the season went on last year I'm excited to see where their trajectory is but Philly they have that talent advantage so I'm going to give them the the win for now even on the road but uh, yeah both these teams I think are going to be interesting this year. We'll see if they can take that step up and be either genuine contenders in Philly's case or in Detroit's case, playoff contenders. Yeah, no, I just I just see Philly edging it slightly. I think Detroit will get there. Uh, so it's a home opener, and like they do have the. It's it's just I think the way I think the way that Philly's going to set up on offense is going to play well against the Detroit Lions defense. It's trying to kind of. I think it'll take a few games for it to settle in properly. Um, but yeah, next up we have San Francisco at Chicago. Sean, we've gone for San Francisco across the board. Do we believe in Lance that much? Yeah, it's two teams going in wildly different directions, both with young second-year quarterbacks, but with entirely different prospects. One, we have an unproven quarterback in Trey Lance, but a much better team and much better coaching system around him. Then the other, we've got Justin Fields, who could be talented and could be 
one of the best quarterbacks of his generation, but we'll never find out because he'll never uh, be able to live up to his potential. We've talked about the Bears as a dumpster fire of an organization. They just have very little talent in, on either side of the ball. And they, you know, they decided to bring in people like Alex Leatherwood, who's presumably going to, you know, is, is going to screw things up for them as well, versus a Niners team who probably already have an injury crisis uh, and are, are dealing with things, but they just know how to get things done and you trust Shanahan to coach things well. I can see that the Niners being comfortable here because I just can't see the Bears, you know, just doing much on the, on a football field uh, for the next uh, four months or so. Certainly not the shit field that they have. Like the, <laughs> It's true. It's the true. Is, it, Soldier Field is disgraced, let's be honest. And the it is, one, yeah. Like, uh, like the thing is, like the only thing that'll play in this is like it's a long trip for San Francisco, but it's the start of the season, so like they'll be able to manage it a little bit more. I can't see Chicago being overly competitive here unless there is a big, serious drop off with Lance or something. So yeah. Uh, next up is a very, very tasty game: Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Uh, me and Fitz have gone for Cincinnati, and Sean's gone for Pittsburgh. Um, how how quick how quick you forget that this was a fucking Super Bowl team. <laughs> like you're go you're you're backing Mitch Trubisky. Over the guys who like ran the Ram, ran the Rams it's, close in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's just it's one of those feelings. I'm like, I think we always underestimate the Steelers. They've got a really good coaching. They've got a really good system. They always they're always going to be at least an eight and or nine and eight team or whatever. Trubisky, obviously, it's it's a terrible position um, to be in. Um, but I just think that they the Bengals are there. There's a lot of hype, and yes, they've got an O line and. Now they look really good and Burrow and, and Chase and everyone to be comfortable. But I don't know if being the big dogs is going to sit comfortably with the Bengals. I think they're going to have to get used to it for a while. Last season was all about the underdog who just kept winning games. Now they're going to have to be the, the team that teams come for. They've still got, you know, Eli Apple in that backfield. I mean, there's just ways that this can go wrong. Um, whereas Pittsburgh, I just, I just, I, I, I can't really rationalize it. I just think that Pittsburgh are one of those teams that will always do better than they look like on paper. And the Bengals may, it may take a little while for them to, to get over the, the Super Bowl thing and get back in the groove. It was, they were a late season team last season. We forget that as well, that they, they took a few weeks to get, to get really get going and get spectacular. Um, so, uh, you know, another slow start would not be unexpected either. Like, the thing is, you say Eli Apple. Eli Apple will be terribly out of position, which means he'll be in the best position to catch passes from Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> like, I, 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 just, yeah. I don't get this. I, I don't just think they're going to win. I think they're going to batter seven shades out of them. Yeah, and like, that's what I liked most about them last season. They didn't just uh, win in their division. They dominated their traditional rivals. They booted the Ravens, they booted the Steelers. Um, it was a bit more messy with the Browns, but like they booted the guys who had dominated the division and they showed up. And that's because, as I said, this is Joe Burrow's team. He owns his team for all intents and purposes and the things are all there for him to continue to be successful. Yes, Eli Apple still exists. That is a problem, but he's not as big a problem as having Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback. So I like Cincinnati to come in here and prove that they're still kings of this division. And... Mm. We'll see if they can put together the wins across the entire season against the rest of the league. Um, but I want I want to keep Cincinnati keep winning this division and dominating for another year. So from 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 a very exciting match to uh, like what might actually be a far more entertaining game than we would have thought on paper beforehand. Indianapolis uh, are coming in and they're taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, what do you think, Ronan? Yeah, like there's reasons why this could be exciting, but there's also very good reasons to believe that neither of these teams are going to be particularly, mm. you know, they're not going to jump off the page really. Like Indianapolis, they obviously bring in Matty Ice. 
pro- like definitely a upgrade over Carson Wentz, a quarterback, but not one who's going to get you excited. We'll just get we'll throw the ball accurately. That's definitely a benefit over Carson Wentz, uh, but not necessarily something that gets people excited. They still got Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. I expect to take a step up. The defense, it'll be interesting to see how it how it does without Darius Leonard for the first while. He's obviously a huge component of that defense's success. Um, but I think Indianapolis are a team that we've expected to get over the hump in recent years, and they just have not got it done. And I'm not sure if Matty Ice will get there. But on the Houston side, you know, another ch- another season of complete overhaul of the uh, of the roster. Uh, second year of the Davis Mills experiment. A lot more variance in where they could be. They could actually be a very fun team with Damian Pierce coming in, running back, and Davis Mills getting better. And the defense, you know, who knows, given all the changes they had. So Houston, they're more exciting. But look, I'm going to go with the solid, boring Indianapolis Colts to win in week one. But, uh, you know, keep an eye on Houston. Maybe they got something there. Yeah, like, like, like they've definitely more to be watching than the last couple of seasons have had with them. Like, uh, Indy is just more to see where they stand. These are two kind of unknown entities that could be, like, you know, that kind of middle-of-the-pack thing that one of them could just turn out to be good enough to make it kind of thing. So uh, it, it's worth keeping an eye on for that reason. Uh, Cleveland to Carolina, another revenge game here. Um, Baker is going back to stick it to Cleveland, uh, who are paying him for this game essentially so maybe he will throw they, it are intentionally they paying him more than they're paying the actual quarterback oh be by a distance yeah by a distance uh they're paying him an awful lot more than they're paying jake brisket um and technically yeah. deshaun watson this year uh well, wasn't deshaun watson's only on a million this year isn't he yeah he's actually a minus yeah, yeah. minus four if you include so, the minus, so yeah, so minus all four the, net. All, all the browns quarterbacks on the browns roster combined are being paid less by the browns than they're paying for their opponent's quarterback yes. in week 1 yes that is the nfl in 2022 it's a it's a I beautiful think, thing but i think we're all baker revenge let's fucking go like the guy <laughs> after the season he just went through and the bullshit that just he just went through and obviously it was a situation last season where the injury he picked up when tackling a guy on interception which is just a classic baker thing to do you know, I think the guy deserves a second chance. I think he would have given this context, and in the big moments, he's been a guy who has generally still stood up and has kind of enjoyed those big moments and having the chance to come and get revenge as Cleveland. I think he's hyped up, no matter what he claims he say, he says or didn't say to certain reporters. So I'm excited to see them do it. Um, but like the Cleveland definitely have a chance because they have a lot of talent with the rest of their team. But yeah, with Jacoby Brissett. I uh, give Cleveland. I uh, sorry, give Carolina all the chance to get going. Plus, it's week one, so you actually get CMC this week. That's obviously a huge boost. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, um, next up we have Baltimore at the Jets. Uh, we've got for Baltimore across the board here. Uh, in theory, I suppose a Joe Flacco revenge game if he's the starting quarterback for the Jets. Um, yeah, look, we expect Baltimore to hit the ground running. I, 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 I'm expecting a more competitive uh, Jets team this year. I think they've got some weapons there that they can get use of. I think, yeah, like the problem is this is a Baltimore team that is coming in with a chip on its shoulder. Uh, it's 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 realized that it's just going to do what it needed to do, and that is just not have wide receivers, just run the ball, add tight ends. So it'll be Mark Andrews and Isaiah Lightly are going to be the only receiving threats on this team, and it'll be a five-man line and six running backs or whatever the fuck. Um, but yeah, I can imagine Baltimore are going to be able to, to get the win here. The thing is, we are talking about a Jets team that have a very good defensive-minded head coach who, if they only have to defend against a restricted kind of 
Baltimore offense, if they know that it's just going to be crossing right over the middle and run plays, like they might be able to do something here. It's just hard to see them overcoming kind of a fired up chip in their shoulder. We didn't do as well as we wanted to last year. So we're going to fucking make a name for ourselves. Uh, kind of Baltimore team led by Lamar Jackson. So I can't really see past Baltimore winning this, but I like this is not to say that the Jets, I like I said, I think the Jets will be competitive this year. Yeah, but week one, Baltimore, I think they, they're looking spicy. So it's great. Yeah, they are looking quite spicy. Uh, next up, we have New England at Miami, uh, AFC East, Excite Fest. Uh, I've gone for New England, Sean's gone for New England, and Fitz has gone for Miami. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Like, this is, a, you know, year two of this New England offensive system that, or, well, well this was Big Mac oh, attack. Year but, one, year one, part two. Year uh, one, part two, with you Reese going yeah. in. <laughs> Um, year zero if some, re- if some reports are to be <laughs> yeah um there have been there have been a lot of bad reports about the, the 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 pats changing their blocking system and that causing a lot of issues uh for like, things he, here's the problem like matt patricia is maybe the offensive coordinator and he's new to that thing so when he tries to write down new ideas on his laminated board he can't <laughs> with do it pencil, with pencil. Yeah. like that's why he's not learning anything like he's just having to keep it all in his head i know he's a rocket scientist but you can't keep it all in your head Matt. jesus yeah i kind of forgot oh. that he's back there as well yeah this is messy well, no one yeah. no one knows who the offensive coordinator is it's technically bill belichick yeah. for now yeah. but it's yeah. it's an interesting there, there's a lot joke. of yeah there, there's a lot of question marks i mean this is the thing i was looking at this game and going if I was being objective, I'd pick the Dolphins to win. But I, if someone else on the pod is picking the Pats to win, I can't not pick them. I have to believe. I have to do the thing I've been doing for 20, 22 odd years and just believe in Balachik and what he's doing. It's, it's, I, it, it sounds like an absolute mess. He's trying to restructure the entire coaching system uh, on, on top of trying to restructure the entire way they play um, with with yeah with a rocket scientist as the nominal uh, offensive uh, coordinator with a, a second year QB who you know has never has looked like he needs to know be told clearly what to do he's still in that kind of zone yeah. where he has to be told what to do in every play um the the thing that i am hoping for here is the dolphins you're you're relying on the the whole Tua Tyreek Hill thing to work or the Tua Jalen Waddle thing to work and i i just don't oh know i think i think that that there could be offensive problems on both of these sides. It could be the same thing as we saw last season. I think it was like a 17-16 game. There was mostly field goals when they played in week one last season. I think we're going to get something similar. The Pats will have a vague game plan. It will stifle most of what the Dolphins do. They probably won't be able to do an awful lot offensively, but they'll do enough. Nick Folk will kick a couple of field goals, and then you just got to hope that Tyreek Hill doesn't get open too many times on the other side and that Tua doesn't actually, isn't able to actually throw it to him. Um, yeah. But uh, I can see it's going either way. But I, I have to believe that that at some point it all comes together. I mean, it's the the thing is, and I don't. I, I know I'm ranting too much a little bit about this. It's it's a bad sign when like one of the main Pats like actual you know Pats fan bloggers, one of the most respected ones, is talking about the team going zero and four at the start of the season. Um, like that, their the traditional Pats slow start may happen again, but this time they don't have the talent to win two games. They just might win lose all four of them. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, this could be bad, but I have to believe it'll it'll it won't be bad. Yeah, like my my mine is more based on I imagine that this is not going to be a very good game. Uh, I'm just thinking I don't think Miami's going to be quite up to speed the way that people think they're going to be. Uh, and in that case, I'm just going to take Bill Belichick to be able to scheme around. But like, hopefully, hopefully, it is better. But like, we saw two alive. That's not 
a quarterback that yeah. Bill Belichick will have problems dealing with as long as he can get his personnel working right. But uh, we'll see, because there was a lot of turnover on the defense as well. But um, yeah, next up, uh, Sean, I'll come to you on this one, seeing as you're, as you're all fired up. Time for the most exciting <laughs> game of the week. Jacksonville at the Washington Commanders. Uh, the cold yeah. shower you need. The cold shower you need to just to just relax yourself and then you can go straight to bed. Uh, well, Jacksonville know, I mean... at Washington. We've gone for Jacksonville across the board. Yeah, but I mean, you talk about cold showers, but I'm a bit hyped on the Jags. I mean, I, I'm seeing them as my kind of dark horse wildcard thing, I think. Yeah, but then you have to watch Carson Wentz. <laughs> as I said, new Jags have a new coach. They've got a second-year QB who's supposed to be a star. They've got a, a new star wide receiver nominally. Um, yeah, things are looking up for the Jags. Things are definitely not looking up for the Commanders. I mean, Carson, the, the thing that will ne- I will never be able to get over is that the Commanders, when they signed Carson Wentz, the odds of them winning... The Super Bowl went; they went up, as in they they became less likely in the minds of Vegas to actually win the Super Bowl with Carson <laughs> Wentz than with Ty- Taylor Heineke uh, or whoever else they were looking to start. I mean, the Commanders are really talented on the defensive side. Okay, the loss of Chase Young for the first few weeks is going to hurt them, but last season it just didn't click. It's the organization seems to be a bit of a mess. The Jags organization is also a bit of a mess, but they seem to have maybe slightly gotten it to get together. I can see this as the start of the Jags upward trajectory a kind of a a, a quote-unquote shock win on the road week one establishing themselves as a team to be to be reckoned with this season maybe trevor lawrence gets like four touchdown passes or something and finally starts to look like the player everyone uh, says he is yeah no i like it like i I, like i said i I liked your pick as jaggers as a surprise team i think they're going to be a lot better i also mentioned i think washington might actually be the worst team in the league um (laughs) they're just down there with the bears so yeah like 100% 100% Jacksonville all the way. Um, yeah. Uh, Green Bay at Minnesota. This is a bit more kind of upper table, I think. Um, so we've got Green Bay across the board from us all. We're expecting a slightly improved Minnesota offense. Uh, we've got a, a... They've moved some defensive pieces around as well. Like The, the big question going into this, because we know what Minnesota is, I'm, until proven otherwise, going to just stick with my belief that Minnesota is a team that will beat teams that don't make the playoffs and will lose teams that make the playoffs and will finish around 500, possibly a game over, it might make the playoffs and will never win a playoff game. Until I'm proven otherwise, I'm just sticking to that as being the, the approach. Green Bay are a team that have made it to the tail end multiple times and just shat the bed afterwards. This is a new version of them. Aaron Rodgers is missing his top weapon. Uh, like, what are we talking about? Alan Lazard as his WR1 or whatever. They've got a nice two-headed tandem uh, in the backfield and they've revamped some positions on this defense. So I'd expect their defense to look a good bit better. Um, like, can Aaron Rodgers just make it work with the weapons they've got? I think that's the question here. What do we think? Uh, well, in, in terms of specific game, I mean, this is, I don't think this is the real test of how good this Packers team is because they know how to play against the Vikings and they know how to beat them. I mean, the Vikings, yeah, offensively, you take away Kirk Cousins and on paper it actually looks quite good. I mean, they've got Jefferson, they've got Cook. They've, uh, you know, they've got Thielen. It's it's a pretty good yeah. off- offense that they've got. It's just you're relying on Kirk Cousins being the guy who looks good uh, statistically but can't ever lead a fourth quarter uh, drive down the field to win. Um, you've got a defense that looks quite weak as well. I think they're secondary. There's some huge issues over it. I think 
you're seeing Rogers going to be picking on some young cornerbacks in this game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see him experimenting. I mean, I don't think Alan Lazard is the answer, but maybe in some of these, you know, some of the other random wide receivers that they have, they might find their next Javante uh, or Devonte Adams. I think they're a bigger test to come for the Packers. I don't think the Vikings are. I mean, I, I mean, I'm on record talking about how much I hate this Vikings team. Uh, I don't think they're anything to fear. Um, I think that the Packers should be comfortable, even if they haven't got their offense figured out. And as I say, as you said, the the running game may be where the Packers end up relying on. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if they suddenly discover the passing game doesn't work that well, and they suddenly start running the ball a lot. How much Rodgers will will uh, deal with not being in the spotlight so much uh, if that is the case? They just take more ayahuasca; it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Sammy Watkins is who I was trying to remember there, so they've probably got two weeks of him being healthy, so that's fine. Um, what do you think, Ronan? Yeah, like I'm generally pretty high in Green Bay. I think the defense looks really good. I think Aaron Rodgers can sort this out over time, and I think Minnesota's defensive backfield is pretty questionable. So he'll be have a pretty good chance to get guys like Romeo Dubs and maybe Christian Watson involved and see what they can do. Um, so Minnesota, I think the main thing for them is that do we see their offense at least be more explosive and see the Kevin O'Connell bump everyone else to see? That's what I'm mostly looking out for. But even if we do see that, I would probably still favor Green Bay marginally just because of the. Uh, the strength and talent that they have over Minnesota right now. I think Minnesota are just in a mini rebuild. So, yeah, give Green Bay the advantage right now. Yeah. Uh, next up, I'll come to you on this one, Ronan. The Giants are taking on the Titans, making them both seem normal-sized. Uh, we've gone for Tennessee across the board. Like, I don't love Tennessee this year, but as I said, the Giants, I think, have more questions about them. Is this just a ride Henry until he breaks again? Look, this, it's hard to create a week one matchup that doesn't inspire any strong feelings or interest, but this is very much on <laughs> that plane of existence. Yeah. Like, Tennessee, they have Derrick Henry. Great, he's coming off an injury. They picked up Robert Woods in free agency. He's coming off an injury. Um, Ryan Tannehill's coming off his worst season in a while. I don't see any reason to believe that he's going to get better now that he's getting older into his mid-30s. Um, they picked up Traylon Burks. Maybe he's this year's Jamar Chase where all the preseason stuff is just noise and he turns out to be great, but can't ignore the signals that have been there that he has issues keeping his weight and conditioning up and, you know, the questions he'd been playing quite deep into the fourth quarter in the preseason games. Kind of unusual for a guy that, you know, was expected to replace AJ Brown after they traded away their most explosive wide receiver. And on the defense, they just lost Harold Landry. Yes, they still got good players like Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard. So, you know, they, they were not going to collapse probably. But, you know, their chance of being like, I thought maybe they could be a top five defense, definitely hampered a lot by losing a guy like Landry. The only good thing for them in week one is they're playing the Giants where, you know, everyone's going, oh, Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, Saquon Barkley's back. Uh, you know, the offensive line's better. The offensive line bit, I believe, everything else doesn't matter because Danny Dimes is shit and he's going to continue to be shit. And they're just going to wind out this entire year to basically learn that and maybe replace it with Tyrod Taylor, I believe, as backup at some Oof. point throughout the season. Jesus. And uh, the defense is even more of a question mark. Yes, they brought in Kevin Thibodeau, a young fella, but their defensive backfield is probably the worst in the league. And, you know, that's a good chance for Tennessee to get some work from these uh, questionable receivers. So in, in that wide receiver DB battle, it might be like the soluble object versus the very weak force, uh, just very slowly mushing together into mm. a mess. But this game... There's nothing really here that excites me. Bad quarterback play, uh, bad uh, talent in many situations. And there's there are guys that 
you know, are good, like Derrick Henry and whatever, and Saquon Barkley, who technically could spice it up, but not the bits that make modern NFL exciting to watch. No. Uh, so we'll go for Tennessee because they're a team that knows how to win, but uh, not in particularly exciting fashion. Yeah. Next up is my pick of the week in AFC West Clash. The Vegas Raiders are taking on the LA Chargers. Um, we've gone for the Chargers across the board here. Look, we mentioned already Vegas have massive offensive line issues. Uh, they've brought in uh, the, you know, bringing the wide receivers, trying to up their offense, but they've also got defensive woes. Like, like we said, like they have, I think is it like they've dropped every first and second round pick or not picked up their option for the last five yeah. years or something like they have not been able to hit on the talent that they need to try and build that team. The charges on the other hand are looking like, you know, this juggernaut team, as always, the, the offseason is that the Chargers are, are the darlings, uh, although sometimes the Bills come into it now, but the Chargers are still doing great and everyone's everyone's holding them up. Look, I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Herbert. I want to see how these weapons look. The defense is tooled up. I'm really excited to see that. Like, I, this is kind of, I want to see the Chargers. I want to see how they defend against Devontae Adams. I want to see how, they are, how they're attacking this. Are they going to be as stretched as they were beforehand? And the big thing I'm looking for here is I want to see what the coaches look like. I want to see what Vegas's head coach looks like, see if anything is really changing that system. Because I could be completely wrong on this. There's a lot of moving pieces. I just tend to find that when there's that many moving pieces, it doesn't always like mesh together well in the first year. The Chargers, I need to see if their coaching staff can actually make a correct decision for once in a while. Because they fecked up a lot of decisions last year it's very hard to have a team that is that talented with a quarterback that good and not make the playoffs and if you remember the last time these two met was in a game that went to overtime and they could have both gotten into the playoffs as they had just played to a detente so i'm very intrigued to see like presumably this is some kind of revenge game for the chargers <laughs> um but yeah no i i, I just these AFC West matches are normally very, very fun. These two should set up well if the Vegas offense can get itself moving at all. And I'm just intrigued to see what that's going to look like. So, like, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited to see this. Um, like, oh, I, I, I know, know. There's, there's questions like, can the run defense do better? But, like, I also, I don't think the run game from Vegas is going to be overly strong either. Like, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the, we'll see how the coaching changes affect that. But, yeah. Um, I'm not buying in, but this could maybe convince me. If the if Vegas could knock off the Chargers here, I would be convinced that actually maybe they are to be reckoned with. All I know is the Chargers are going to settle for a tie because the overtime revenge. <laughs> <laughs> They've learned that lesson. Yeah. yeah. Never settle. Fourth down, every down. Brandon Staley going full, full, full psycho mode on it. Good God, yeah. But no, like it should it should be a very entertaining game. So looking oh, forward yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, next up, we've got Kansas City at Arizona. We've gone for Kansas City across the board. Obviously, looking at the post-Tyree Kill, Kansas City, what's that going to look like? Will the rookies get used in? What's the running back situation going to look like? And a retooled defense with a couple of new pieces in there. Arizona, there's question marks over their defense. They're missing one or two players here at the start of the year. Like, yeah, I... I find it hard to see the Arizona win route here, but I also know that I'm a Chiefs fan. So you guys kind of talk me through it here. Like this well, is obviously James Connor is James Connor is going to run for like four touchdowns and have the a 200 yard game just to spite you, Connor. I mean that's obviously. Ah, I've I've developments on that front. I still think he's shite, but he is on one of my fantasy teams. Wow, yeah. that is Arbitrage. a big step for you. That that is a very yeah yeah. That's a very big step forward. Um, no, I, I, to I, be I, fair, I, in, in a 16-man league, sometimes you just have to take what you're given. 
Uh, I do think, I mean, I do think the Chiefs obviously should be favorites for this, but there are questions over how this offense works post Tyreek Hill, Will Mahomes, and Andy Reid need a few weeks to, to get it together. I mean, they did problem solve the offense last season, but it did take them a little while to, to figure out the answers there. Um, I mean, Kyler is capable of having big games. I mean, the Arizona thing is all just about just, I mean, it is, despite the, you have to do, you have to do prep now, Kyler, you have to do homework. It is basically about just, it's it's playground football. It's let him go out and do his stuff and let's see what happens. Let him, you know, make so many problems for the defense. They start making mistakes and then all the other things open up. They're going to struggle without, you know, wide receivers or any, any kind of real talent on that end. I mean, they are going to be relying in this game, I think, on James Conner having a, a big game. Um, but I can see if the Chiefs aren't quite at the races week one, I could definitely see the Cardinals pushing them because they are, of some of the teams in the NFL, they're one of those teams that is capable of getting and fighting in a shootout if, if it comes to it. So I can see it happening, but I think the Chiefs probably still have more talent just to get over the line. I'd keep an eye out as well to see if the Chiefs start trying to run the ball a bit more. There's been a lot of talk about using a bit more of that as well. But yeah, yeah, like in the battle of backyard football, I think Kyler will want, you know, he wish he'd be a little bit taller, more of a baller, you know. <laughs> oh, do, you th- do you think he's going to come up short? A little bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, like our like Arizona are not a bad team. It's just yeah, I'm not sure. Their defense team, is bad. So defense is not great. They've got a couple of injuries there. Like yeah, like maybe maybe they get something working with like Zach Ertz gets a lot of work or something. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and AJ Green are the terrifying kind of. You know, there's a big difference between that and New Hopkins, even if he's getting on a bit in that. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next up, Tampa Bay at Dallas. This is Sean's pick of the week because he loves the NFC East. Uh, I think it's Sunday night football, yes. baby. Yeah, uh, it is Sunday night football. The the people that good people at NBC agree with me that this is a very important game, mm. and definitely got nothing to do with the fact that the Cowboys are a massive team that is supported by half of America, despite being crap. Mm. Um, and yeah, this is cool. two, uh, this is this is a nom. This is a game between two teams who would like to think of themselves as NFC contenders, and certainly were NFC contenders last season. But there are there are a lot of question marks over both teams. We've talked a little bit about the Bucks already. I mean, it's trying to basically trying to run it back for a third year with Brady. Maybe now finally beginning to realize that retirement might be better than getting hit repeatedly every Sunday, um, especially if his offensive line isn't working and the wife is unhappy uh, at home. I mean, we don't know what kind of mental state Brady's in. We don't know how this team is going to work. We don't know if the Todd Bowles, how much of an imprint he's going to have made on this team going forward. We know that they've got talent on both sides. We, we, they got one, the, you know, the best quarterback of all time and a bunch of good receivers to throw to. They've got a really talented run defense. Uh, full of full of stacked full of big names they've they've got the Super Bowl caliber we know they're capable of, of winning big games so I mean all, all things on paper the book should be good but there are a lot of questions over how that'll do the Cowboys similarly they looked very good last season up to the last 13 seconds when it all kind of fell apart in a horrible mess um, they're weaker this season because obviously the, the loss of Amari Cooper means CD Lamb is suddenly the, the go-to guy and is, is he the all the Cowboys can rely on? Is, is Zeke Elliott still the running game or will they give Tony Pollard more stuff? I mean, 
the the offensive line is is suffering from injuries is, is that going to be enough the the defense i mean they've got some really good parts of defense michael parsons is going to be an absolute star he was almost the best player in the nfl in his rookie season so you have to imagine it's going to be much better season two they've got trayvon diggs who will probably get an interception but also give up two or three big plays or, or give up two or three big penalties um so yeah, each of these teams has the potential to, to score a lot of points and win a lot of games. And if everything clicks, they have the potential to go very far. But also there's a lot of question marks. So I think it's a very interesting game to figure out which of these two teams is for real. Is Tom finally over the hill and on the way down? And, and are the Bucks going to have a pretty messy season? Um, and will they have to call break the emergency Gronk, uh, smash the emergency Gronk hammer at some point and, and bring him in maybe a bit earlier than, than they expected? Um, on the other side are the Cowboys. Does it work? Have they actually improved from last season? It's hard to see precisely where those improvements are going to come from. Um, so I expect this to be an interesting game, and we'll at the end we'll have a little bit of a better idea of where these two teams are at. They could both be terrible. They both could be great, but most likely they'll probably both end up somewhere uh, in the middle. Yeah. No, there's, there's, there's a lot to be, to be gauged in this, but I also think these are two teams that I imagine will look a little bit different by kind of week six, week seven. You've got Dallas with, with you know, like Gallup to return, so they have a proper WR2 in there in place. You have Tampa Bay where, like, you probably need to bed in a couple of those offensive linemen and and stuff like that. But, yeah, like, I think it's, it'll be a good good kind of snapshot of, of where they are. But uh, I do think these are two teams in transition just for this season. And last up, we have Monday Night Football, Denver at the Seattle Seahawks, a Russell Wilson revenge game for all that $200 million that he got. Um, very exciting. And Rodan gets to experience Geno Smith time. Um, wow. This is a grim one for you, Ronan. The revenge is where, where the Seahawks are. He doesn't even need to win, really, do that much. It's kind of sad beating up someone in such a bad position as the Seahawks mm. should take pity on them. But, like, look, like, obviously they're going on the road to Seattle. Seattle's defense is in a state of flux. Um, they're going through a lot of changes right now. The linebacker core looks pretty weak. The defensive backs look pretty raw, though the two rookies look pretty good in, in preseason. Um, the defensive line has Puna Ford, once again, one of the best names in the NFL, but not sure that's enough to kind of anchor the entire thing himself. Um, and on the offense, yeah, it's like both Kenny Walker and Rashad Penny have injury knocks during the preseason. I think Rashad Penny is expected to play. Kenny Walker, I think, is maybe missed this game. Um, so the kind of one, two, run the ball every down and then give it to Geno Smith third down thing doesn't even make sense because Rashad Penny's made a glass, except for the six games at the end of last season. So, yeah, the overall the Seahawks... Thing outside of having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett just there for ornamentation, I assume um, it, it doesn't really make that much sense. Um, so Denver, even though I don't rate them that highly this season, um, should have enough to uh, get over the hump here. Obviously, Russell Wilson, we know what he loves, and that's uh, doing the deep ball. He's got Cortland Sutton, he's got Jerry Judy. Both of those guys are great guys who I think are, are great at getting open in the middle, uh, medium to long uh, distances on the field. And against the cornerbacks that they're going to be against, against Seattle, there's going to be some teething issues, I imagine. So I think they will have opportunities, and Russell Wilson will get those big plays that he's known for. He'll face tougher challenges ahead but I think it's a good game for him to get going and you know mixed in Melvin Gordon Javante Williams in the running game on a defense which isn't terrible isn't great um should be good enough to keep Geno Smith in check so 
yeah, there's not really that many rights I see for Seattle to do this unless, you know, Geno Smith's just been hiding his potential all along and it's going to go super cyan uh, finally uh, week one without having, you know, he, you know that, that year where he punched someone, that, that was when he's going to break out. It's just a few years too late now. It's all going to work out. <laughs> nah, no, um, I, that. I think with Denver, you got to imagine they're going to be able to take this. Like, it, it's a very clear uh, difference between the two teams in terms of personnel and so on um even with though like do you, do you think there's anything to you know the fact that you know he, he was with you for so long that picaro will know his uh his his tendencies and know how to exploit he, he, them he, he will and they have a new defensive scheme but i don't think they have the cornerbacks to make it stick if you're putting out like two rookies or like sydney jones or or uh, like a second year player against players of the caliber that they'll be up against then I just don't think, even if you scheme it right, I don't think it'll be enough to stop Russell Wilson. You need to have some guys who at least can win one-on-one. Otherwise, you know, Russell Wilson will find those guys when they get open. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, that brings us to the end of our predictions. Very exciting. Um, so any plans for yourselves for the next couple of days? Um, uh, football! Yeah, go- <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going up to Atlone to... Uh... Visit the uh, the nieces and the such like. They're they've got various birthdays in September, so we're going to go up and do a weekend. Hopefully, get back into Cork in time on Sunday to actually catch the NFL. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think a large part of my weekends from this point on will be uh, NFL related. Yeah, um, good fun, good fun. Yourself, Roland? Any other than football? Anything else? I'm giving a bunch of presentations at my job over the next week or so, like three of them. Uh, but eh, that's usually easy enough, so I'm not too worried about that. Uh, um, other than that, yeah, probably keeping it pretty chill. Uh, see if the if the weather improves, might go out uh, do something. Very good. Yeah, I think uh, I've got we've got we've got a I, I, I've started playing in, in the last months we're on. I've started playing uh, flag football for the Dublin Wolves, uh, and we're going to have a scrimmage on on Saturday, I think, against the. Dublin Panthers, so that'll be good fun. Uh, the wife is doing a, a, a half marathon as well, so a very sporty, um, sporty Saturday for us. And then I think there's like there's a there's some kind of like dog, uh, like festival on down in Marley Park, so I might go down there on the Sunday morning. And then uh, booked in for the whole evening to the Woolshed to watch all of the matches, and Monday booked off work, so very excited for some football. Should be great crack altogether um but yeah that'll wrap us up for this week uh as always you can start popping in questions to us if you want on the facebook page or on the email or whatever but um, for now it's uh bye from myself bye from ronan bye bye from sean bye this has been all four quarters thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week bye.